This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Hayesville, North Carolina. Welcome to a Friday morning wake-up call here on Sports Country Radio. Friday the 13th, 2023. It's, uh, well, we woke up to a uh, at least a non-stormy morning. It was uh, kind of brutal here. Yesterday, we got some pretty heavy storms, but uh, fortunately, we came through it okay. But just about uh, a little less than an hour south of here in Georgia, there were some pretty devastating tornadoes. Uh, Alabama got hit pretty hard. Uh, we got, you know, we got a lot of lightning and some wind and, and stuff, but nothing uh, near what they got in Georgia. So uh, um, uh, some kids were killed down there. It's just, uh, just awful. But uh, very rare to have tornadoes in January uh, down here in the south. So, uh, uh, but uh, hopefully you are okay where you are, and uh, everybody is, uh, the people in California, uh, those of you that I, I know have a few listeners out in California that don't listen live, you guys check in on the podcast. I hope you guys were safe out there as well. Um, so we lose Jeff Beck two days ago, and yesterday we we lose Lisa Marie Presley. Uh, look, Lisa Marie Presley, is, I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to disparage her her singing career. She actually she put out a few albums, and actually some of the stuff isn't bad. Uh, it really wasn't. Uh, but of course, she's best known for being Elvis Presley's only child. Uh, Elvis died in uh, 1977 at the age of 42, and she died at the age of 54. Uh, Elvis of a heart attack at 42. Uh, her her maternal gra- uh, maternal grandmother had died, or paternal grandmother had died very young as well. Uh, of a heart attack so obviously uh cardiac problems running the family she had just been at the golden globes uh the other night uh because uh austin butler was up for the uh, uh for the golden globe for the movie elvis and uh she was there and uh with her mom uh so look uh i, I can't I, I think the thing that struck me the most is that I remember the day Elvis died. It was in August of 1977. Why do I remember that? I don't know. Look, I I always was a fan of Elvis, but for some reason his death just stuck with me. I guess, you know, because everybody was nuts for Elvis, and he was big in my house. and um, uh, So he died in 77, and then to have, uh, I didn't think I'd be alive to find out that his daughter died. I I mean, I guess, you know, I mean, it, it happens, and we've lost so many people in the entertainment field, and, uh, so she goes and now she leaves four kids behind Riley Keough, who is an actor or actress. Um, she's, uh, 33 years old. Uh, she's got uh, a son, Benjamin, and then she has two young daughters. They're twins. I believe they're 14, something like that. Um, you know, look, she didn't have an easy life. I mean, obviously trying to navigate being the, the daughter of perhaps the most famous entertainer in history. I mean, I don't think that's hyperbole. 
Uh, Elvis is <laughs> Elvis is an institution, um, and uh, uh, she took control of his empire, and uh, she owned Graceland. Uh, she sold off a lot of it as as she got older, but uh, just yeah, it's just sad, sad, no question. And uh, you think about you know think about Priscilla Presley, you know. That she uh, she asked you know her her ex husband dies and now her daughter dies and you know she's kind of just still there and it's just ah just sad so anyway uh, Lisa Marie Presley passes away at the age of fifty four I stayed up and I watched uh, uh, some basketball and some hockey last night the Celtics a statement win last night over the uh, the Brooklyn Nets the Nets had the second best record in the Eastern Conference behind the Celtics. Uh, the Celtics were playing without Jalen Brown last night, but of course the Brooklyn Nets were playing without Kevin Durant, who hurt his knee. is going to be out for a while. Uh, the Celtics also didn't have one of their other starters, now Horford. He had some back stiffness, so they, you know, both teams came in a little undermanned, and it became basically Jason Tatum against Kyrie Irving, and Jason Tatum with 20 points and 11 rebounds. It was an 11-2 run at the start of the fourth quarter that was the difference in this game. Check that. I think it was t- it was 12-2 run. At the start of the fourth quarter, this was a, you know, back and forth. You know, one team would take a five-point lead. The other team would come right back and take a lead. It was it was an entertaining game. It really was. Um, and the Celtics got some some contributions. Marcus Smart, who has missed a bunch of games because of injury, 16 points, 10 assists last night. Malcolm Brogdon did a great job last night with 16. Peyton Pritchard came off the bench, uh, hit a couple of big shots in the fourth quarter. Uh, to, to kind of start that run. Uh, Derek White started for Jalen Brown, had 15 points. So, you know, all in all, the Celtics just showed that they've got some depth last night. They've got, you know, they own the Nets right now. They swept them out of the playoffs last year, and they've won the last five regular se- season meetings against the uh, Brooklyn Nets. So the Celtics, the best record in the NBA, and uh, they keep that rolling with the win over the, the Brooklyn Nets last night. 109 to 98. The Celtics will be at Charlotte on Saturday, and the Nets uh, play a very bad Oklahoma City team at home on Sunday. Uh, then the Bruins. Bruins uh, with their probably their worst game of the season last night. And, well, you know, look, the bar is pretty high when you think about it. They had only lost uh, four games in regulation all year. Matter of fact, they had not lost at home in regulation until last night. They were 19 0 3 at TD Garden before last night. They get shut out by the Seattle Kraken, 3-0. Seattle Kraken, in just their second year in the NHL, have suddenly become a force. They won their seventh game in a row last night. Matter of fact, it's the second time this season that the Kraken have won seven in a row. Martin Jones with 27 saves last night. It was Jones's second consecutive shutout. He shut out the Canadians on Monday. So the Kraken have it rolling right now. Uh, Linus Omar got the start for the Bruins last night, made 28 saves. The Bruins actually, down 2-0 in the third period, pulled their goalie with five minutes to go. Five minutes. And then when they did that, they actually kept the puck in the Kraken zone for almost three minutes. You know, skating six on five, just couldn't get one past Martin Jones. They eventually give up a, an empty netter to make it 3 nothing. Uh, but the uh, Bruins lose their first one at home. They still have an 11-point an lead for best record 
in the NHL. They've just been uh, dominant. So now they will host uh, Toronto, a pretty good Toronto team, on Saturday night and try to bounce back uh, after that loss to the Kraken last night. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Dan Zampano of the Sunday Card will join us to talk NFL football. Uh, as always, Dan Zampano, the entertaining one. Back in a minute, you're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call. And as we are every Friday, we are thrilled to be joined by Dan Zampano to talk NFL football. Uh, Dan, before we get to the playoff games and some of the stuff about last week, uh, I'd be remiss if we didn't talk a little bit about the college football championship game. Um, I, look, I here's what I came away with. How the hell did they beat Michigan? Can you explain <laughs> how TCU beat Michigan? Because I'm telling you right now, I am fully convinced Michigan would have put up a one hell of a better struggle than TCU did in that game. Am I wrong? Gene, as I told you last week, it was like, you know, they're living in the land of Oz. They weren't really, <laughs> they, they, they went somewhere else. You know, they were following the yellow brick road and not going to the game. I mean, they didn't show up. They didn't show up. I mean, Michigan completely threw up on themselves. The amount of stupidity that happened in a game. And then TCU showed, I mean, you knew. I, I, and I think a lot of people knew. And I, and I told you Georgia was going to win. I didn't right. see that coming, obviously. No. no. But, you know, I, I, uh, you know, you knew once Georgia got their scare against Ohio State, like the first moment I knew that TCU was in for a hurting was when they, when they did the opening interviews right before the kickoff. And Kirby Smart was asked by Holly Rose, he says, what does your team need to do tonight to fulfill, to fulfill the, the back-to-back and, and play better than you did last week? And he said one word. He said, aggression. <laughs> and I said, oh, shoot, get off the tracks. Um, because I, you could see it. I mean, you could see that they were so focused. And I thought he, he, he played it perfectly and said after the game, he said, you know, this team wasn't as good as last year's team, yeah. but they had that, that dog, that dog in them. They had right. that eye of the tiger that every time that they were going to, to, to be down in a game that they just refused to lose. They yeah. just said, we're not going to lose. And they didn't. And, and, and they went all the way. They went undefeated and they're going to be considered probably the best Georgia football team that's ever played. And, uh, you know, I mean, you look at that game. I mean, I had shades of, you know, I go back to like, Oh, one Miami against Nebraska and just destroying them in the Rose bowl or USC, Oklahoma. Like you go back to some of those games. I mean, there's, there's some beat real beat downs, but that one was the worst I've ever seen. Oh my goodness. Um, well, the good news is for Stetson Bennett, he'll never have to buy a drink or a meal in the state of Georgia again. I can guarantee you that. No, um, no, he won't. I mean, back-to-back championships. How do you, I mean, who does that? That doesn't happen anymore in college right. football, well, yeah. you know? Um, let me ask you, I just wanted about Stetson Bennett, you know, and, and everybody doubted him in college and everybody's doubting whether he can play in the pros or not. Here's what, I, and I don't know whether he can play in the pros or not. He's not very big. Obviously, what is he, 5'11", about 190 pounds. You know what he is to me? He's Drew Brees with wheels. Am I is is that about right? I mean, he if he if he is going to play in the NFL, he'd be a Drew Brees type of player. But it but he can run a whole hell of a lot faster than Drew Brees ever could. But couldn't he be that kind of a quarterback? Uh I, I'll take the wheels part. <laughs> That's definitely true. 
Um, like I get it with the comp, with the size and everything like that. I, I understand what you're saying. Uh, he just doesn't have anywhere near the, you know, touch right. anywhere near the, you know, acumen, I think that, that Drew Brees has. And, you know, to me, uh, I get it. Like people, people are making the comparison and they're saying, look, you're telling us that Bryce Young is the number one overall pick yet. Yeah, this kid's too small right. and he's bigger than Bryce Young. Right. So what's the deal? Right. And it's like, you got to watch these two players. Right. Like y- you can see it's night and day. Like I get it. I'm not saying telling you Stetson Bennett can't play in the NFL. He may very well may could. I think he's probably going to need to go to a team that marries him to the coach right. as best they can. And he's the got to fit the yeah. system. Right. Right. You know, so I I've seen, you know, some comparisons like, you know, he could be another Brock Purdy situation probably faster than Brock Purdy, but you know, if he gets in a role where he's a backup quarterback, like he could come in and win some games, you know, like I could see that. I see him as a, I see him as a good backup probably. Right. I I don't necessarily see him as a starter in the league. I think Bryce Young is eons ahead of him in terms of his ability to, you know, make, uh, you know, off platform throws, make the throws and reset his feet. Like, you know, I, I see just way more in Bryce Young than I do in Bennett. I think Bennett's a gamer and a baller, and, and if you need him to come in, he could definitely do that, but I don't see anything really past a good backup. Uh, all right, let's talk about some NFL quarterbacks, and let's start uh, with Derek Carr. Derek Carr is, it sounds like he is officially mm. out. He uh, posted posted on Twitter on Thursday thanking the folks in the Raiders, in, in Raiderland, saying, uh, I'm looking forward to a new city and a new opportunity, and it sounds like the Raiders are going to try to trade him. Uh, Derek Carr wasn't the problem in Las Vegas this year. Was he? I mean, he it, the reason they lost wasn't just because of Derek Carr. No, absolutely not. I thought I thought that the defense was horrific. Yeah. I mean, their defense was horrible this year. Right. Um that was a major problem, but I thought Carr really didn't help himself. I thought he had one of the worst years he's ever had. Um and to me, you know, just watching him in the few games I did, just seemed like he'd missed so many open passes and when you have guys, and I get it, Waller was hurt a lot of the year, and Renfro was hurt, and, but you got a guy like Devontae Adams on your team, like, and, and the percentage of passes that were thrown his way that he did not catch. Right. Um, the guy was second second in the league in targets, but I think he was like bottom. Yeah, I think he was like below, not even in the top ten in receptions. Right. Because you know it's just some inaccurate passes in my mind. Right. And you know I I, I think that there's something to be said about that that Carr was not accurate, was not on time. I don't think he fit well into McDaniel's system. And I think that, you know, I'm not saying he's bad. I think he could be good, but you know, where are we going with him is the question. And I think McDaniel's had the, had the stones to be able to say, all right, we, we want to reset here and I want my own guy. I do think Carl will get a lot of calls. I believe they have till March 3rd to, to get rid of him. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they can cut them. Right. Um, and then, you know, they, they'll get under that $40 million contract and it'll only be a $5 million hit. So, you know, I think there's going to be a market for him. We'll see how, we'll see if Dave Ziegler is able to, you know, wet somebody's palate enough to, to say, okay, we can accept a deal like that for Derek Carr. I, I, I am interested to see if, if that happens. I mean, I just look around the NFL this year and how bad quarterback play was I don't ever remember mm-hmm. a season in my lifetime where the quarterback play as a whole was 
I don't want to say awful, but there was a there was a lot of bad quarterback play. I mean, there really was. You can. I mean, there's probably yeah. a dozen teams that right now you know are are searching for a quarterback, and and there are there enough good yeah. ones out there between the guys that you know that are going to shuffle around from team to team and the guys coming in from college. Is there enough talent out there? I can't believe I'm even saying that. Yeah, I, I don't, which is shocking because you think, okay, well, like, and it tells you how hard it is to get that franchise guy, right. you know? I mean, I'm thinking just down the list by division, like who are the teams that actually need quarterbacks? And there's at least one or two in every single division. Absolutely. I mean, you know, there's three in some cases. Right. You know, right. so I, I, I think that, you know, it's hard, man. It's hard, and, and now – you know, put Tampa on that list, considering the idea that, that, that Brady may, may go, right. you know, maybe they have an opportunity out there, you know, I mean, you, you got to think about those things as well. So I, I do think that there will be opportunities and plenty for so many of these guys. It's just, you're right. Who is available and who from college is actually going to step up. I know we've got three or four guys that people like, you know, in college, are they ready to play right now? I don't know. I see one or two that 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 Bryce, might be. I think Bryce Young but could. We'll see. I think Bryce Young could play right. I away. do. I think he yeah. could. I think C.J. Stroud could. Yeah, I think, I think so too. C.J. Stroud's got a good chance to. Yep. So you know, I, I we'll see about the other kids, but you know, I, I think you're right. It's a it, it is a bad. And you want to know why, Jane? And, and I talk it up. I think there's some really bad coaching. I mean, some really bad coaching going on in the league. That's fair. That's fair. Well, let's uh, let's let's get to some bad coaching, and let's let's get to the New England Patriots, and the <laughs> the and 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 I'm not saying that that Bill Belichick's a, a bad coach, obviously, uh, but he made some bad decisions and put some people in some bad places. And it sounds like with the press conferences this week and the conversations that have been going on, is there are going to be changes in that coaching staff, and and I, and it sounds like it's a foregone conclusion. I think I think Belichick's right now just trying to find a graceful way out of it is that does that does that sound I mean not that not that when you you know when you think of Bill Belichick uh, graceful is not necessarily the, be, the the word you come up with but don't you think he's trying to find some kind of a soft landing for Matt Patricia and and Joe Judge of course he is I mean he those are his guys and I think that he just doesn't want people meddling in his business but I'm going to tell you one thing right now there was the meeting oh, yes. happened this week oh, right. between Bob Kraft and Bill Belichick. Right. So that meeting has adjourned, and I can tell you, based on what I heard, that the Krafts are not happy. Right. They are not happy and not pleased one bit. And there's going to be some changes, and I don't know how major those changes are. I have met. From what the understanding is and what it's been reported is that there will be major changes on the offensive side of the football. Yep. So, you know, to me, uh, you know, that mean, to me that sounds like Matt Patricia and that sounds like Joe Judge and who will they bring in? There's plenty of guys now right. out there. I think that you could, you could definitely put your eyes toward a couple of dudes and, uh, you know, we could talk about that if you like, but I, I definitely think that heads must roll and there must be some turnover on, on this offensive side of the ball. I mean, Agreed. there's got to be some adjustments to left tackle, to wide receiver. Yep. Even defensively, there needs to be a, a high-end corner acquisition with the $35 million plus uh, dollars they have in cap space. I mean, there just has to be someone upgrades at linebacker, more athletic defensive tackles, 
this team needs a lot of help. And, you know, I know they spent a lot of money a couple of years ago. They have not gotten back from most of it because Nelson Aguilar, John U. Smith, those things are going to counterweight things like Matt Judon and Hunter Henry. They right. just are. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, look, I knew that that the meeting with with Belichick was going to be a tough one when I saw the letter that Robert Kraft sent out to season ticket holders. Basically, Robert mm. basically Robert Kraft falling on his sword saying, "Look, I know we've blown it. This isn't what you're used to, and I promise we're going to fix this." And so, I mean, as soon as I saw that, I went, "Oh boy, you know, it's going to be a tough conversation." Now, the next conversation is and we just talked about the dearth of quarterbacks around the NFL. Is Mac Jones going to be the guy? And, you know, there, there's some word that came out this weekend. I don't know whether this is true. Look, we know that Mac Jones has shown his disgust in the middle of games, you know, with his offensive coordinator and some of the stuff that's been going on. But there's, there's rumors that he was actually calling people, calling other people that he knew coaches and saying, hey, how can we fix this? And you know, room, you know, and and they're saying is that it kind of got personal between him and Belichick when it seemed like Mac Jones was going behind his back, saying, "Hey, how can we fix this?" You know, and and I don't, I can't. If that really did happen, I can't imagine that's going to sit well. No, I can't imagine it is. But I will say this: Bill will never say it publicly, but I don't think that he it's lost on him how much they screwed up this season for Mac Jones okay, and how Good. they handled Good. the Bailey Zappi situation. Yep. Excellent. I, I really, I really don't think that he's that naive to say, you know, this has to be fixed. Like we haven't won a playoff game since we won a Super Bowl. Right. This, this, we must get this right. And I really think that you can't really judge Mac Jones off of this year. Yep. A, because he dealt with an injury B because they had, just the worst situation possible around him. And to be honest, I thought he made the best of his situation. Um, it's obvious that Mac Jones has an extremely strong will mm-hmm. and believes that he is extremely intelligent. I think people around him, you say he is extremely intelligent. And if you want to think about, you know, oh, is Mac Jones the guy? Mac Jones has the support of everyone in that locker room. Everyone okay. like very, very strong support of the players in that locker room. So, and there's a lot of guys that didn't agree with how they, you know, handled Bailey Zappi situation and, and, and in respect to Mac Jones. So to me, I, I do think Mac will be the guy going forward. I do think he still has to earn his right to get that second contract and be the franchise player. Right. I do think that is still on the table, but it doesn't mean that, they should just give up on him now. Is, is it fair to say that he at times acted like Tom Brady in his frustration and the way he handled himself in a time when he didn't have the right to actually do that? He's got that same kind of fire as a Brady did, and 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 but he hadn't earned the right to act that way. Is that fair? I can agree with that. I do think you need to not, you you can't just be screaming on the field like that. He's passionate. Like there's no question about it, but when you're a young player like that and you know, yeah, you may have the respect of your locker room and this, that, and the other, but you also need to understand what was Tom Brady's best attribute. Tom Brady's best attribute was his ability to be coached. Right. 
Right. He no longer, I feel like, possesses that attribute right, right. now because <laughs> I feel like, yeah, he's it's it, it's like get out of my face, like I'm Tom Brady. Yeah. But you know, <laughs> that was his best ability. That was his best ability. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You know, you're I mean, right. yeah. and that's what Mac Jones, I think, may struggle with is, you know, you got to take the coaching. But if the coaching sucks, <laughs> you know, I mean. It's a double-edged sword here, you know, and yeah. I can understand him being frustrated coming from where he came from. Well, yeah, I so say, I, I don't know. It's it's hard. Yeah, and I think that's the point. I mean, coming from where he came from in college and the kind of coaching he got in college to all of a sudden, you know, find himself in a in a three-ring circus in New England, I, it, that must have been – because there was no doubt in college who was in charge, right? And, and all of a sudden in the pros, he's like, well – Who's running the show here? And I can't even believe I'm even saying that with Bill Belichick on the sideline. But but it seemed to me that at least this year, when it came to the offense, maybe you know we're not on that sideline. I don't know for sure. But it seemed to me that 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 Bill was very hands offish, and I, and it almost seemed like Mac Jones was like, "How can a head coach you know act like that?" And and, and I'll tell you something from where he came from out in Alabama. I, I gotta believe that. You know, at the end of the day, there's got to be some calls made that Nick Saban knows that Bill O'Brien's contract is up. Yep. I mean, that's got to be the guy. I think that's the first place you look. I, I mean, think, it's the first place you look. Well, it, it, that's a, you know? To me, that's an absolute no-brainer. Absolute no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. Right. Right. So we'll see. What now, the question is, does anyone else have interest in Bill O'Brien? That's the main question. Well, you know, it's funny. I haven't, with all these coaching vacancies, you haven't heard his name thrown around, have you? I really haven't. No, As for, and for, not even for an offensive coordinator no, position. No, no, not at all. And and you know what? I, you know, if you're New England, you got to be saying, well, "Thank God." You know, the question is, does Bill O'Brien <laughs> want back in the NFL? That's the question. You know. Yeah, and I does mean, he want under? Does he want to go under Bill? Right. Like he was under Nick Saban to kind of revitalize, or does he want to go back to an NFL head coaching job? Right. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what he we'll wants. All right, more quarterback news. Uh, Tua Tungavailoa is out this week. Can't play this week. We'll talk about the game, obviously, a little ways down the road. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, they were going to get their ass kicked anyway. It didn't matter who the quarterback was. You know, I mean, let's let's be honest. I mean, all it did was move the it, yeah. it moved the line by a few points. Um, I said this on my show this morning or yesterday morning. Um, look, if you're Tua, you know, and and one of the things that that it might be Daniel said this week is that two is finally getting to the point where he understands he has to start listening to the medical professionals and doing the things that they tell him to do. You know, you can't just, you know, we, we understand you want to play, but he's got to start doing things the right way. If you're Tua, if, be glad you're not playing this week. Take the, take the off season. <laughs> you know what I mean? Take the off season. You're not going to get killed this week. Take the off season. See how you come back. And you know what? If he comes back in the summer for practice, or or he gets another concussion, just hang it up. You know, uh, and and then then you can add Miami to the list of teams that need a quarterback. But at this point, after what happened with Demar Hamlin, if if this if that wasn't enough to make Tua stand up and say, you know. Uh, you know, we can die out here. You know, maybe, maybe that is, maybe that's what he needed to finally realize he's got to slow down a little bit. Well, I think two things are true. Two things can be true. One is that I do think Tua would give the Dolphins a much better chance. In fact, not just a much better chance. If you go back to the two games that they played against each other, 
I mean, Miami was a, they won one against Buffalo and right. B when they went up to Buffalo, they really controlled the game until Josh Allen took, took over in the fourth quarter. Right. I mean, that really happened. Right. So Tua is good enough to, you know, manage this game. There's no question. Now, should he play? Probably not. Obviously with the concussion, he's not going to play, but on the back end of that, it's hard to tell guys that have done this their whole life and have worked their whole life to, to, to you know, it's easy for us to sit here as you know, who we are and right. say, you got, you got to hang it up. You got to hang it up. It's right. like, that's not how, I mean, that's like you, me asking you to, to hang up, you know, never do radio again because your voice is going to go. Right. You know, <laughs> I mean, you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. and you'd be like, uh, hell no. Like, right. I'm not doing that. This is what I love to do. Right. And, and you know, it, the same goes for him. And that's, that's a hard thing. I mean, you know, I get it. Like, but that's the risk that these guys take and every one of them, you could say that about every, any player, right. Honestly, at right. the end of the day, like, yeah. you know, now in terms of meeting a quarterback, I'll be honest. I, to me, you, you said like, you know, oh, we, we, we would add Miami to the list if, if two retires. I don't already, know if Miami's already, not already on that I was going to say, I knew you were going to say that he was already on the list. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, we're talking about, I mean, if there's a quarterback, think about this. If there's a quarterback out there that is better than Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, if there's better than two attack Vailoa, yep. then why wouldn't you want that player? Right. Yep. If Tom Brady is available for the Dolphins, Ooh. why wouldn't you sign him? Right, right. Why wouldn't you trade for him? I mean, it, that, I mean, it would make no sense, right. you know. Right. And I, 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 is is Derek Carr worse than Tua? No. I mean, I, I'm not sure he is. Yeah, no, I don't think he you is. know. Yeah. Like to me, I think again, we've gone through this over and over, and I said it over and over. Tua has benefited from the system McDaniel has brought in and the two wide receivers right. that he has playing out there. Right. When he can't get those balls to those wide receivers, yep. they don't play well and they just go to a run style game. McDaniel has masked Tua's inefficiencies. And to me, I think it's a lot easier to run the, run the offense with somebody that doesn't need to have their deficiencies, deficiencies masked. I really do. Um, another quarterback uh, that absolutely threw up on himself last week, uh, it, it, perhaps. And I don't want to. I don't want to. I, I don't want to have you know go overboard here. But uh, Dak Prescott against the Washington <laughs> Commanders last week was as bad as a quarterback in in a in a situation where you know you're trying to to. Uh, uh, you know, get your team going into the play. And you know what? You, there was a chance that, you know, you, you didn't know where the seating was going to end up. How can you play that poorly? 14 of 37? You know, and Dak hasn't been great this year at all. You know, I mean, and, you know, and, and they've overcome his play at times in Dallas. Yeah. I mean, if you look at Dallas, I mean, this guy leads the league in interceptions and right. he missed five games. Right. You know, I mean, that's pretty bad, right. you know, and you can't, you can do that against Washington or maybe you can't do that against Washington and you might be able to do that against Washington and get forgiven for losing the game. You're not going to be able to do that this week. I'll right. tell you that. Right. I mean, you, there will be no forgiveness. There will be, if they lose this game this week, right. We get the whole thing all over again. 
I'm praying. Get rid for, of Dak. Dak's I'm, the problem. Blah blah blah. You know. I'm praying for that, by the way. I, I mean, it would be it, uh, first take. You know how whatever the shows are all oh. over the place. I can just. I mean, it will be at nauseum. Yeah. It doesn't even matter when, when Dallas loses. It's not a question of of, of if. It's a question of when. Right. Um, when they lose, it's going to be this is Dak Prescott's fault. Right. That's going to be the story. Right. You, you, I mean, if the narrative writes itself, instead of looking at the bigger picture and saying, okay, is Kellen Moore really the coach that we think you, I mean, that guy, I, I just, I can't even believe that people think he should be a head coach in the league. I just am stunned by that. Right. Um, but you know, and, and the way the organization is run like a minor league franchise with the most money of any team in professional sports and they run this organization like a minor league franchise. I mean, it's, it's just ridiculous. So there's a lot of things that go wrong in Dallas, but Dak, I do agree. Dak has not played well. Like that is definitely on the table. And I think he will shoulder some of the blame if they lose this game. Um, and for this whole season. So I, you know, this is a tough situation. I think they're the better team this week. We'll see with, with, with how they go up against it. You know, can they, I think the expectations for Dallas though, have to be more than, Oh, we got to get over this week. Right. You know, it's got to be, we got to win this game. We got to get to an NFC championship game, a place they haven't been to in almost 30 years. That's, that's, that's stunning. That's stunning. It really is. Yeah. yeah. When I read that, I was like, yeah. I was, I almost, I was like, that can't be right. You know, I mean, it's, that's crazy. Well, then let's talk about the quarterback on the other side uh, in that game this week. Huh. And, and, and Tom Brady, the guy that, Hey, you know, Tom Brady's 45 and God, he stinks. He's too old. He should hang it up. And all he did was set a record for the most completions in a season last week. I, I mean, what, what, what else? I mean, it's, it's crazy. Look, and he hasn't been, he hasn't been as sharp, but he certainly is still in the, uh, the top, you know, 10, 15% of the quarterbacks in the NFL. Like I feel like the entire time we've ever done a show together, we've been saying, "I mean, it's ridiculous. How <laughs> how can he keep doing this?" Well, yeah, yeah. what the literally entire time that we've done yeah, this show. Yeah. So you know, to me, you know, it doesn't surprise me at all. I personally, and I'll say it again, I don't think Tom Brady's had a bad year. Right. I think the mechanisms around him have really been poor yep. in terms of the the receivers, the amount of, of, of penalties that have cost them and brought back touchdowns. Right. The offensive line has been horrific yep. this can't, whole year. Can't run the ball now, at all. Now, they've gotten better. Yep. They can't run the ball at all. Yep. They've gotten better, and they've done it at times. I think if they're going to be successful this week, they're going to have to run interiorly. They're going to have to run between the guards in order to be successful trying to run the football. Um, you know, that's going to be a main point for, for them against Dallas because Dallas is outside backers and outside ends all really, really athletic, but not so much in the middle. So I think they're exposable. I do think that Dallas is secondary is going to be exposable though. And this is the week where Mike Evans has to show up. I mean, Mike Evans has been a monster, a lot of it. But they need him more than ever, and they need a secondary safety valve because yep. you know Dallas is going to try to take Mike Evans away deep. Right. They're not very good at covering that. So they need Chris Godwin to have a big game. Yep. If Russell Gage can play, I don't know if he's going to play. 
in this game. He needs to have a big game. Uh, and I think another guy that needs to have a big game, they need to call on, call on the guy that they always call on at this time of the year. They need to call on playoff Lenny. Yep. I think, Burnett, I think yeah. he needs to have a monster game for them to win this game. So look, this is very winnable for right. them. They right. can do this. It's just got to put the pieces together. That's all. All right. One more quarterback we'll talk about, and then we'll start talking about the playoff games this week. Uh, Daniel Jones is going to be a free agent at the end of this season. And uh, the uh, there was there's been some comments that uh, that he'd like to remain in New York, and he, there was a figure thrown out, and I still can't believe I heard this. Of he he would like a contract that would guarantee him forty six million dollars a year. Oh my god! <laughs> I want I want some of what he's smoking. That's what, you know, or you know, that's like that's like you know, from when Harry met Sally. I'll have what she's having. I mean, honest to God, I mean, what universe? Does he think he's getting that kind of money from anybody? Anybody? Yeah. I, uh, well, there's there's a, the Andromeda Galaxy. I'm, <laughs> I'm hearing is a hiring quarterback. So, you know, I mean, is, is that's, he, that's somebody. Is he back in New York? Do they want him back? Do you think? I think they do. Yeah, I, I think they do. I think they would like to run it back because I, I, you know, I'll be honest. I thought he, I thought he very much improved. Okay. I really do. I think that he could probably come back for another year. They do one more assessment. He's got to make a leap. You know, I mean, what are we in year four, year five, five. now? Five, yeah. So it'll be year five for him. Yeah. Um, you know, he's definitely got to like improve with this coach because I think this coach understands how to use him, understands that he needs to be able to use his legs right. as a threat. Yep. You're a very athletic guy, um, and I think that's possible. And look, they made the playoffs. The Giants have never been a team that has been a dominant team that has made the Super Bowl. Um, they've always been kind of the underdog, blue collar way of winning Super Bowls. Yep. And that I think is certainly plausible, uh, considering the coach, considering the under kind of like you know maybe he's a little bit underrated now at this point. I think people have kind of kept keep. I would say that I, you know that's kind of a big stretch, but you know I think people have kind of deemed Daniel Jones as a failure and haven't really seen what he's done this year. I think he's been a lot better, and Saquon has a lot to do with that. They revitalized this so much. I mean, give uh, Joe Schoen and Brian Dable like all the credit in the world for being able to do this. But you know, I do think that he probably is back for a year. If it's $46 million, whoever his agent is should be, you know, a uh, million dollar reward, dead or alive. I mean, that's basically, you know, put them out, put like a Jesse James poster out for them, you know? All right, let's, uh, let's get to this week's game. And, uh, and, and I got to start, um, we're going to start in Jacksonville with the Chargers game. And before we talk about this week's game, we got to start talking about last week's game. Brandon Staley, the head coach of the Chargers, oh my God. knew going into the oh game my God. that they, no matter what they did, it made no difference in their seeding. They were a five seed, win or lose, and he threw out all of his starters in this game Got Mike Williams hurt. Now, they say he may he's probably going to play this week or he's going to try. Joey Bosa, who'd been out all year injured, gets hurt, has to limp off the field. I mean, 
what Austin Eckler took a got trucked on one play, and you got it. What the hell is he thinking? Yeah, if I may quote the movie Zoolander, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Like I really, <laughs> I really do feel that way. Yeah. Like it, it, when I was watching that, I said it is the fourth quarter of a game that does not matter. Right. You have a game next week. What are you doing? Right. I mean, it couldn't have, it was so typical Staley and the dumb excuse of, you know, it's really hard to manage a, a football game. You think this is rocket science here? <laughs> like, like, what are we talking about? I mean, it was as egregious as it gets and it's so typical chargers you know, oh, we made the playoffs now, but we're going to get our best weapon. I'm telling you, Mike Williams, forget Eckler. Herbert's best weapon is Mike Williams because yep. he, he flips the field. Right. He flips the field. He is a deep threat and a very good one with a lot of size and speed. You can forget Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen averages like less than 10 yards of catch uh, typically throughout his career. You know, he's a good, he's a good receiver. There's no question about that. He's a very good receiver. Um, but Mike Williams is what gives that offense some juice. And if he's not out there and if he, even if he is out there and not a hundred percent, I mean, that is a coach. That's a fireball offense to right. me. I right. mean, it's, if this guy hasn't done enough, it is a fireball offense uh, to I mean, have gone and done that. I mean, uh, if I'm the owner, I mean, what are you, uh, if you're the owner, if you're Spanos up there in your booth, what are you thinking? What are you thinking up there? You know, <laughs> I, I it was it was uh, incredible, and and you know, and I and I get that you know Keenan Allen's not not the deep threat, but after Williams got hurt, and after Bosa got hurt, and Eckler got his clock cleaned, uh, Keenan Allen's still in the game with six minutes to go, right? I mean, you both Williams is already hurt. You don't know whether he's going to be able to play now after after he gets hurt. You know, and maybe, you know, your most veteran receiver that you have left on, on the roster is still out there with six minutes to go. It, this guy is a moron. Uh, we're, not, we're, not, we're not playing. We're not playing the lollipop guild next week. We're playing Jacksonville. Right, right. I mean, like, what are we talking about? You know? Yeah. It's crazy. Uh, well, I'm with you. So so let's let's get into it. Uh, Jacksonville uh, is actually a two and a half point underdog this week to the uh to uh, the Staley's. Yeah, well again, like we just talked about, I mean, I think one of the key things and I you know, I think if 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 the Chargers had Rashawn Slater coming back this week, it would have made a lot of difference yep. because they've had such a hard time at left tackle. Now, they're going to be down a left tackle obviously. They've been down a left tackle for a while. Sounds like Jacksonville's going to be down a left tackle. That's what it sounds like to me. Um so that's a big problem. So to me, I look at the game and I say the two star quarterbacks, I think they will perform well, but I actually think that Jacksonville is going to take away the run of the chargers. I think they did a good job of that last week against Tennessee. They kind of, they kind of bottlenecked Henry a little bit. He got his a little there, but they, they made some really nice plays there you got to remember that even though we talk about Trevor Lawrence in, in, you know, the context of the Jaguars offensive scheme, yep. really they are like one of the higher run team running teams on, on first and second down, they run the ball a lot on those downs. 
So, you know, I think Travis Etienne is going to be a really, really main, uh, you know, concern for, for the Chargers. And again, you know, we talk about it all the time. The Chargers just are not a very good run stuffing team. They're just not. So they're one of the worst teams in the league in yards per carry given up. So I think if Jacksonville can establish a run, they'll win this game. Um, I am concerned about that left tackle spot. If Bosa is going to go, uh, that's a problem. They're going to need a pass rush on Lawrence. Right. I, I do think that Lawrence, though, is going to perform really well in this game. I really do. I think he can light up the Chargers. And I think the Jaguars will win the game. I'd like, I'd like the Jags this week to get a home win. Uh, the other Saturday game, the Seahawks are at the 49ers. The 49ers are a nine-and-a-half-point favorite in this one, uh, which, which with, with, uh, with the guy who was the last pick in the NFL draft and the guy who you know uh, wasn't supposed to be playing, <laughs> their third stringer, and yet they are a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. But, look, uh, everybody's doubted the Seahawks all year. Everybody's doubted Geno Smith. I mean, he's had a hell of a year for a guy that looked like you know he was going to be a you know he was going to be a backup for the rest of his career. He has had a hell of a season. So I I don't I mean I know it's nine and a half, but I don't count the Seahawks out of this one. Yeah, I do. I just don't see it. I'm 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 I see that Geno Smith has had a much better year. I think he's regressed a lot in the last five six weeks. Okay. I mean, he came out guns blazing, and and I just don't see how the, over the last five or six weeks. Every time they've played this team, I mean, the, the, the 49ers just ran it down their throats. Yep. And and they can't do anything against that defense. I mean, the problem is with the two rookie left tackles really have gone downhill. I remember how good they were in the beginning of the year. We were yeah. just like, wow, how do, you, how do you have a right tackle and a left tackle that are rookies that are starting? I mean, it's unbelievable. They're doing so well. I think Cross, the left tackle, has, has really come back down to earth. I think his body is starting to get worn down. Um, I think it's hard and Seattle gives up the most sacks in the league on third down. San Francisco is extremely good on third down and you know, who's coming on the edge. You've got Nick Bosa and that's going to be a major, major issue for either one of those tackles, let alone all the other talented defensive linemen that they have. The speed is just too much. And don't forget, Debo Samuel is also coming back for this game, it yeah, sounds like. So okay. this is going to be really hard for Seattle. I think San Francisco wins this one going away. Uh, first game on Sunday, Buffalo is a 13.5-point favorite uh, against the Dolphins. I wouldn't even take the points. Yeah, I mean, I hope you got the 9 earlier this week because it was at 9 all week, and you know, yeah. as soon as that got announced, it right. jumped to 13. So, right. um, you know, I, I think, uh, yeah, I mean – not much to say here. The Dolphins, as I said last week, they're kind of wasting everybody's time. So I, I'm going with Buffalo, and I, I don't think it'll be, you know, particularly close. I think Buffalo though needs to have a statement, a win against this team. Let it be known, like, hey, this is our division, and we don't care anything about what happened this year and how close these games were. We need to make a statement here, uh, and then get ready, get set, show that they're show they're truly focused because it's very easy to walk past this game knowing that you could get that rematch with Cincinnati next week. Right. Um, the second game on Sunday, a fascinating one. The uh, the paper lions, as I like to call them, the uh, Minnesota Vikings. Look, they're thirteen and four, so it's kind of it seems kind of silly for me to call them that. I still am not a believer uh, in this team, but uh, they are taking on the New York Giants, and I. Th- 
think the line that I saw was uh, that the Vikings are a three-point favorite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for me, you know, last time these two teams played, it was a shootout. Uh, it was the most passes that Daniel Jones has thrown in a game all year. I believe he had 45 passes in this game. Right. Uh, they, they let him loose. And, you know, they played this game, what, three or four weeks ago. Yep. And it took a 61-yard field goal for the Vikings to go out and win this game. So it, it was a lot. You know, it was one of those Viking specials. and Maybe the luck is still alive there. I think one of the differences this week, though, I think you're going to see Martindale, Wink Martindale, the defensive coordinator, you know what he's going to do. You know he's going to try to ramp up pressure on Cousins. They need to get rid of Jefferson, whether they need to bracket him. I mean, he crushed them, right. just crushed them in the last game. They're going to run a lot of man coverage. Typically, that's what they do. I'll be interested to see how they bracket off Jefferson if they keep leaving Hawkinson open in the middle. Um, for me, I, I do think that if the Giants are able to run the football uh, more this time and, and maybe not so much – uh, you know, kind of concede the game to Jones. I, I do think the Giants will win this game because I think that the Giants will be able to control the clock. They'll get timely turnovers. I don't really like the way the Vikings have been playing at all. Uh, the last few weeks, it's been it's been a real, real tough goal of it. So, I, you know, we talked we talked about this is the paper tiger of the year. I think we're going to see it, and the Giants are going to get a lot of headlines going into divisional weekend, and maybe it will be a live dog next week whoever they play, because they're a scary team if they get going. Right. Um, the Sunday night game, uh, another big line. Uh, the Bengals are an eight-and-a-half-point favorite over the Baltimore Ravens because Lamar Jackson is not going to play. I mean, I guess you give him a puncher's chance if Jackson plays, but uh, uh, without him, I, I don't see how they, they compete here. And I just, you know, even with Tyler Huntley there, I think they would have a shot, but I'm not sure he's going to play no, either. right, exactly. So it's, it's a, I don't know who the quarterback is and how can I pick the Ravens if they don't know their core? I mean, it would be an all time coaching duel. I do think this game is going to be more low scoring. Okay. I, I do think that the Ravens will try to muck it up on, on, on defense and they'll try to run the football, but I just don't think they have the quarterback for it. I think this will be a similar game to how Jacksonville and Tennessee played the week before yep. where Tennessee just didn't have a quarterback, but they managed the game. I think it'll be a, a lower scoring game where Tennessee will run out of, or I'm sorry, Baltimore will run out of gas at the quarterback position uh, and Cincinnati will win the game. So it's a lot of points, actually. I feel yeah. like there's a lot of points here. I think this could be an interesting, I think the Ravens might be able to keep this close, but uh, I just don't see them winning the game. And then uh, perhaps the most fascinating game of the week, I guess, uh, Dallas on the road at Tampa, a two and a half point favorite. And uh, Tom Brady looking to, uh, to to see if he can catch that magic one more time. But I just don't know. You know, I, I, I kind of, I don't know. I kind of like Tampa here. Maybe I'm stupid, but but uh, this should be a fascinating game. The NFL did us all a gigantic favor by putting this game on Monday, Monday night. night. I yeah. mean, this game yeah. is the perfect standalone game. I think people have been looking for it. It is the game that started the season, and it's the game that ends Super Super Wild Card Weekend. I think this will be just so fascinating because of all the things we talked about. Can Dallas cover those receivers? Are they going to be able to? Is, is Tampa going to be able to withstand Parsons? I think Parsons. They have to get him blocked. I mean, they really do. They have to limit what he can do. That he's going to be the whole key to it. 
Um, and for Dallas, it's going to be, can they, are they going to turn the ball over? And can, is CD lamb going to be the focal point of what Tampa's defense kind of looks at and says, this is the guy we got to take away. Do they stop Pollard? Do they try to put the ball in Dak's hands? It's going to be a fascinating chess match here. Um, Gene, you know, sometimes things are just as they seem, aren't they? And, you know, every time you think Dallas is going to do it, what do they do? Yeah, choke. You know, they choke it away. And every time that you think that that man over there, number 12, is too old or his team's not good enough or this, that, and the other, he just shows you one more thing. This will either be 2019 Titans-Patriots wildcard game where – They'll have a chance to win, but they just don't have enough. And I think Brady will go out of Tampa, uh, you know, after this and in and, and that fashion. Or it will be Tom's one last swan song uh, to maybe make a run. And I think it's going to be the latter. I think that Tampa is going to win the game. I really do. I just, I got a good feeling about Brady focused in the playoffs against a team that may be better, but I think typically Brady loses to teams that are underdogs that, that, that kind of are hungry and his teams are kind of arrogant. It's a little bit like last year where they played the Rams and nobody really gave the Rams a chance to go into Tampa and win. I think that this is a little different. I think Brady is more the underdog here now and they'll play that up so much. I think they'll win the game. Uh, interesting. It was announced today that uh, if the Kansas City and Buffalo go to a have to play uh, for the championship, it will be at a neutral site, and a neutral site is going to be just down the road for me. It's going to be in Atlanta. Um, so, uh, I, you know, I can't, I can't stand that. I mean, that yeah. to me is so generic NFL to put this game in a dome right. on an AFC championship game where it would be outside either way. I mean, it that really annoys me. Well, you know, and, and, you know, and, and, and you have, know, oh, let's just get the fast track of Allen and Mahomes. Like, come on, like let's let's get the weather involved uh-huh. here. Who uh, Buffalo is going to travel? All those fans are going to make them travel all the way down to Atlanta. Yeah, I mean, that's just crazy. Well, I guess they tried to get it in Detroit and Indianapolis first, and both both of them said no, we don't want it. Uh, so Atlanta. But why would they want it indoors? Uh, yeah, get it in uh, Pittsburgh. Put it in Cleveland for all I care. Oh, that'd be like, awesome. You know, Wouldn't I mean, it? that'd be awesome. You know, yeah, it would be awesome. Yeah, yeah, you know? I, I agree. Or, or if Cincinnati's out of it, have it in Cincinnati. It could be nice and cold. It'd be great. It would be great. Yeah. See, you know, <laughs> Cincinnati. Cincinnati. You know, I mean, think about it. Cincinnati missed an entire game where a bunch of concessions and all that stuff. I mean. You know, the least kind of, you can do is put it there. Back, yeah. Well, better yet, how about this one? How uh-huh. about this one? How about we have it at Gillette Stadium I, I they won't have a playoff game there for a while? I knew that was coming. <laughs> I knew that was coming. Yeah. Well, Dan, uh, listen, I appreciate you uh, spending some time with us this morning. We will uh, look forward to the games this weekend, and I'll look forward to talking to you next week, my friend. Gene, it's going to be awesome. I'm so happy the playoffs is back, and I wouldn't want to talk about it with anybody else but you. Dan Zampano here on Sports Country Radio. That is going to do it for us. We'll be back on Monday with another edition of the Wake Up Call. I hope you all enjoy the NFL games this weekend. Hey, it's Trace Atkins, 61st birthday to you uh, today. And in honor of that, we're going to play a, a duet he did with Kobe Calais. It's called Watch the World End With You. Have a great weekend. We'll see you Monday. You've been listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country.